Good morning to you. We can do a little better, right? Good morning. morning. It's good to see everyone. You folks watching online, it's good to have you with us today. Let's pray. Father, thank you that your word is holy, helpful, accurate, life-giving. Thank you that the Holy Spirit is the one that does the teaching. So help us learn today. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Hold your Bibles up. Let me see your Bibles. Everybody brought a Bible. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Revelation chapter 20. We're going to cover verses 11 through 15. This is like the 30, number 31 message in the series. I hope it's been life-giving. It's been helpful to me. The topic is what happens when a person dies. Would you say that with me, please? What happens when a person dies. got a call last night at 11 o'clock that one of our dear saints and church members took her last breath in the hospital. And uh, she was in a lot of pain when I saw her Saturday morning. And what a friend. And uh, she had lost a son tragically years before. And I did her husband's service. And the, the fact that they're both waiting on her, which was pretty cool, pretty awesome. And she wouldn't come back for anything. And so we all will take our last breath. And uh, this passage will help us all. I love talking to people about Jesus. And I love talking to people about this passage. Uh, it's life-giving to me. Uh, I've even ticked off a few people. Uh, I remember one family, one man ordered me out of his house twice, not once, but twice in the same evening. The first time I pretended that uh, he did not say that. Uh, And uh, the second time I knew it was a red light. See, it's red light, yellow lights, green lights, and you just have to watch those lights. But what he did not understand that particular evening, I was the best friend he'd ever had. Because I wanted to tell him about the glories of heaven, about a Savior that died for him, that he could be forgiven. Because I knew he was a very ill man. I'd taken him to the hospital myself uh, for a bypass because nobody else would take him. And uh, I knew he had hurts. And uh, so, but I'm going to trust that he will, he will make the team. Now, I want to share a couple things with you as we uh, move along. It's there on your outline. I urge you to take notes. This is really important stuff. I want to talk about our vision. We had a team of people that we worked together for over a year to clarify what we were already doing. Uh, do you have a vision for your life? You have a vision if you own a company, you have a vision for that company. What, what does a vision mean? A vision means a picture of the future. This is where I want to go. That's what vision means. Scripture says without vision, people kind of just meander. People will perish. So here in one sentence, it's got to be short. It's a statement of what we feel like the Lord wants us to be about. We want to see lives transformed. Say that please. Lives transformed. And then by the presence of God. Say that by the presence of God. Preaching won't do it. Bible study won't do it. Those are good 
Prayer meetings are wonderful, but it's when the presence of God shows up and there's a click. And you go, oh my. Oh my, I need, I need to respond. I need to change. We see that a lot. Now next, so we talked about vision. We talked about values. Everyone say values. What are value, values? Values are the things we cannot negotiate on. A lot of things we can negotiate on. A lot of things we can talk about. But these are nine things. I'm sorry. You know, if you want to see it differently, it's okay. But we're not changing. This is this is where we are. And the nine are, they start with the Lordship of Christ. Say it please, the Lordship of Christ. If Jesus is not my Lord, I am fooling myself. Nothing else matters. Either he's Lord or I'm Lord. And we have to make him Lord and center. Number two is scripture. Everyone say scripture. You know, what is the final authority? We live in a culture today. Everybody's writing up their own stuff. Well, is there truth? We know there is truth. And the scripture says about itself, all scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable, which means it is really healthy and it is profitable. It will yield profit in your life. In four areas, you read it for yourself. The third one is prayer. Everyone say prayer. We are called to be a house of prayer, which means we want prayer to be the center of everything we do. This passage is written actually over those doors on the other side as you come in. We love preaching. We love missions and evangelism, but everything emanates from the place of prayer. I want this place to be a house of prayer. I want our city to be a city of prayer. I want the house where I live to be a house of prayer. And I want this tabernacle here to be a house of prayer. And we don't do any of these perfectly, okay? We don't, never will. And then the fourth is the Holy Spirit. He's the third person of the Trinity. Uh, He is a gift from the Father, Jesus is interceding at the right hand of the Father, and he gave us the most wonderful gift, eternal life, and the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power. Everyone say the word power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You, I can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. I can't. I can't love. I can't forgive. I can't teach. um, I can't. Number five is people. Everyone say people. The scripture says, for God so loved the world, and the world is not dirt. It's not trees. It's not dripping water from a, a rock face. It's people. That he gave his only begotten son. Whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And we want to love people well. Isn't that a great goal for all of us? We want to be known. Man, that, that, that friend of mine loves me. That friend of mine will help me. We want to be known for for that. Number six is sharing the gospel. Say that with me, please. Sharing the gospel. Jesus said this promise, if you follow me, if you follow me, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men and women and boys and girls. It is very sad 95% of all American Christians have never led anybody to Jesus. And we want to fix that. We want to train people to be soul winners because that's our destiny. You don't want to go into the next eternity and you've never led anybody to Jesus. We want you to speak up. We want you to love well. 
uh, people are very open all around us. They just can't find people to talk to. People that are safe to talk to. Number seven is discipleship. What is discipleship? Discipleship is um, following after Jesus. We just don't want to be Christians. We want to be disciples. Disciples are people who live a disciplined life. Go therefore and make not Christians, make disciples. Number eight is missions. There is about three billion people that have still not heard the gospel. And it's not fair. It's not fair that some of us have had hundreds of chances to hear about Jesus and there's people that have never heard his name. It is not fair. And we're going to do all we can to get the word out, to get prayer out, to mobilize uh, people, to share the gospel, to raise up indigenous workers. Here's a verse I've known for a long time, but as I was reading through Matthew, it jumped out of the pages again, and I felt like it was a call. Steve, 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 the gospel must be preached to every nation, every ethnic group, and then and only then will Jesus come back. We have a job to do. We must do our job. Number nine is developing servant leaders. We want to pass things on. What we're doing today is not about us. It's not about now. It's about people we don't even know. It's about 20 years from now. Paul said, the things that you've heard and seen in me, pass on to faithful men who will in turn pass it on to others. How many generations are in that verse? Can you see it? How many generations? Four. Where are the four? Paul, his young disciple, Timothy, Timothy looking for faithful men, and then others. Now, here's our mission. We've talked about vision. We've talked about values, our mission. And we worked a long time trying to hammer this out. If you were to find what is a mission, what is a mission that a Navy SEAL team has to do in an operation? Well, the answer is it's what they do to get to where they need to be. That's a mission, okay? And the Lord has given you missions. The Lord's given us as a church a mission. And so these are we we feel like the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And it's in four quadrants. And we actually have formed four teams of people around each one of these. And if one of these is your passion, maybe you can help us. The first one is to engage people. Everyone say engage. That's where we build friendships with people. We know people's names. Eventually, we want to share the gospel with them. We, we are initiators. We are not passive. We are initiators. We love people. We reach out to people. Number two, we connect. Everyone say connect. Connect people to our church family. And if Hey, it's okay for them to be a part of another church family. They just need to be a part of a family. And then ultimately to the Lord Jesus, number three is equip. Everyone say equip. Now that's training and how to do the things of the kingdom. 
And there's a learning curve. Because what we deal in is intangibles. It's invisible. And you have to see it. And it needs to be spelled out. And then fourth, we want to send people. We want people to find their destiny. We want people to use the gifts God placed within them to serve Jesus as he calls them. And all of us are called. Let's just practice this for a minute. How many of you are called by Jesus to serve him? Hold your hand up. That's all of us. So you have a calling. And your calling is just as important as anyone else's. If you are alive, if your heart is beating, you're here for a purpose. And you need to be on it. Know it and get on it. Okay. This is our new vacation home. I surprised Sue. We actually pulled it to the back of the church property and we sold our house and we're going to move into it. And you're welcome to come and spend the night. It's a joke. I want to tell you a little story. This is not the actual mobile home. In my first church in Shelby County, one of my wonderful church members, Linda, that I loved with all my heart, she was a cashier at the Walmart there. We were very close. She talked to everybody. And one day after church, she says, Steve, would you do me a favor? What is it? One of my coworkers that I think a lot of has got the really bad news that he's got lung cancer. And he doesn't have long to live. Would you go see him? I said, absolutely. So she gave me a rough description and address. And it took me a while to find it. It was way out in the country. And when I got there, I had to open a a gate, link a gate and drive my car in and put the gate back up and drive up the little dirt road to the mobile home and my little sweet normal self, I went up there and knocked on the door, and uh, this man came out. He had his shirt unbuttoned. He was a good bit older than me, and I could see where he had the permanent grid marks for radiation for lung cancer on his chest. He said, who are you? I said, well, I'm a local pastor i'm actually linda's pastor and she asked me to come and check on you and see if i could help you she said well i didn't ask you to come so please get off of my property now i just knew we had a great connection going (laughs) i think he asked me several times to leave and so i just stood on his little porch That's like a 13-second conversation, and I left, and I didn't tell him them. I didn't tell him at the time I went back six times to see him. (laughs) What an annoying guy I am. And do you know why I did that? Because I had read Revelation 20, verses 11 and 15. I think I went three times to his mobile home and got the same treatment every time. It didn't bother me. It's okay. He didn't sick the dog on me. He didn't shoot me. So it's okay. I'm good. And then when he went to the hospital, I went to see him three times there. And he was pretty rude to me there too. I'll tell you the rest of the story in just a minute. Now, here's what I want to do. I just want to read what Jesus said. Is that fair? What Jesus said and what the scripture said is 100%. 
and we need to figure it out and work through it. What I say, maybe about 30%, okay? So let's read it, okay? Got your Bibles open? I'm reading out of New American Standard, Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne. What color was it? And him who sat upon it, from whom the presence of earth and heaven fled away. And there was no place found for them. That's scary. Verse 12. I saw the dead. Who did, who did John see? He saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were open. What were open? Books. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things written in the books according to their what? Their works, their deeds. Verse 13, I read that for years. Mysterious. I had no idea what verse 13 meant. I may have a little clue today. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then... Verse 14, death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, which is the, very important, it is the second death, the lake of fire. Now verse 15, if you don't have this marked, please mark verse 15 because I've shown this to a lot of people and helped them. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now let's let's walk through this and let me show you where the good news is, okay? Are you tracking with me? Number 1, this is what John saw. He just reported and I'm reporting. He saw a great white throne. It it seems to me like the Bible under exaggerates everything. So when it says great, well, how great could it be? It means it was immense. It means it was high. Uh, this stage is maybe four feet, four and a half feet high. When you say high, I'm thinking this throne could be a mile high or 10 miles high. It is vast. It is beyond description every word is important in scripture when it says white everyone say white why is it white it illustrates the purity absolute purity of the one sitting on the throne it also illustrates the standard of purity of those who will appear before the throne. It's not just like white like a t-shirt. It's not just white like your ceiling in your living room. It is sparkling. It is dazzling. It is translucent. It is glorious. And it says this. Every person who appears before the throne must grade out. Grade Not at 55% good, 45% evil. 
not 65, not a grade of C, B, or even A. The grade is 100%. And that's where I fail, and that's where you fail. Because I've never graded out like that. Now, this culture may have no clue about this. The reason a young, beautiful bride wears a white wedding dress. Do you know why? Our culture has no clue in history or tradition. She is testifying that she has never been with a man sexually. She's absolutely pure. She's never even slept with her fiancé before that time. And the fact that her father is at her right elbow, boy, you guys are as quiet as a church mouse under conviction. (laughs) I get it. I get it. But the fact that her father is at her right as he walks her down the aisle and everybody stands and turns, he is testifying. He is testifying. I have kept my daughter sexually pure. And I am giving her to an unworthy man. Aren't you glad there's forgiveness in Jesus? Someone say amen. But that's what it means. And that's what the throne means. Absolute Purity, perfection, 100%. The appearance, John said, of the one on the throne is so dazzling, so spectacular, so brilliant. And this is pure conjecture on my my behalf that heaven and earth, are you ready? Watch me. Heaven and earth. Everything, heaven and earth, has to do this. The brilliance is too glorious. And the one on the throne is none other than our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Steve, why wouldn't it be the Father instead of the Son? Because in John 5, Jesus says, All judgment has been given to me, the Son. Someone say amen. Now this is very important. Off topic, but I want to try to help all of us get our heads around this complicated stuff. The great white throne judgment we're reading about determines a person's eternal future. Pass, fail. Yes, no. Guilty, sinless. Are you with me? But there's another judgment in heaven. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. And it determines a believer's eternal reward. This Life is just a dress rehearsal. 
If you play sports, this is just summer camp. This is just practice for Friday night. Heaven is Friday night, the real game. And we, these are just some passages you can look about that talk about eternal rewards. I'm telling you, even a cup of water given in Jesus' name, that person will receive a reward. Every prayer, every dollar, every time you love, every time you forgive, every time you help, every time you use your gift, heaven is watching and heaven is recording and heaven will make it up to you one day. Your eternal rewards are not based on mine or anybody else, but based on what did Jesus ask you to do and how faithful were you doing it and how long did you do it? Third thing that John saw was dead folk standing before the throne. And John saw two categories that he recognized. One was those that were called in heaven the great. Everyone say the great. Those are people of renown, people known in history, people known in the city, people known in media. John Fitzgerald Kennedy, Marilyn Monroe, Joseph Stalin, Bob Hope, Robin Williams, Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson, people that were known. They have their day in court. And then the other category are what John described as the small. Everyone say small. What do you mean small, pastor? That's the people that were unknown. Those are the people that other people in the world thought were insignificant. Now, I want to clarify something. There is no one unknown to the Father. No one. And there's no one on the planet that he doesn't love and doesn't care about. He sees them all as his beloved creations and as significant. I've done a number of funerals. I don't know if you know this, but Lexington is contracted with a cemetery on the north side of town. And the city has a contract when somebody dies. Maybe they died under the bridge. Or maybe they died in a car wreck. Or maybe they died in a hospital and they had no family. They had no money. They had no will. And there was nobody there for them. I've done, I've officiated at some of those funerals where it's just me and maybe one other person. And their casket is lowered into the ground. Now here's a verse from Hebrews. It says, there's no creature hidden from his sight. I've even seen little ants just in my yard going, the father knows every one of them. And he cares about every one of them. And I wouldn't doubt if he hasn't named every one of them. He knows a number of sparrows that are in Jesmond County. He cares for every one of them. No creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the one with whom we must deal with. And then, then John saw books. And he saw the books that were opened. 
Every person apparently on the planet has a book that is a record of their life in the eyes of God. Recorded in their book, uh, sorry to break the bad news, sorry, bad news, everything you ever did, everything you ever said, you thought nobody would ever hear that, all your thoughts are recorded there. Jesus said, you know, adultery is actually a heart issue. If you've lusted and wanted to do it, he knows that's what you're like. Now, there is a difference in thinking it and doing it because there's a difference in consequences. You lust after somebody's wife or husband, that's bad on your heart. But if you break up somebody's marriage, you just messed up a lot of people. And here's what my Catholics friends talk about sins of omission. And man, I'm agreeing with that because it's the one that scares me the most. What do you call sins of omission, Steve? Well, stuff God wanted you to do in your 20s and you never did it. Things he wanted you to do in your 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s. And here you are 75 and your life is over and you never did what God wanted you to do. See, there's nothing hidden from God. Just some comments that Jesus said about this should sober us all up. Jesus said there's nothing hidden, nothing, nothing, nothing hidden that won't be revealed. You thought you'd never get caught. Well, heaven knows about all of it. Nothing secret that won't become known. Nothing whispered behind people's backs that won't be common knowledge. And nothing spoken in a dark room. That won't be brought to light. Point D. The scripture says the dead were judged. That means everyone from the things written in their book of what they have done. Now, I got good news for you here. If you've given your heart to Jesus, you're a saved person. You've been forgiven by Jesus. Your sins are washed away. The accounting system is gone. The pages are blank. Is that good news or what? Someone say, praise the Lord. My thick old book got washed away. Hallelujah. Bless God. That's good news. But for other folks that haven't met Jesus, this is really bad news. Point number five. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. Now, conjecture here. April 14th. 1912, the ship that one of the designers said that God couldn't even sink it did sink. 1,500 people lost their lives in the cold, frigid frigid waters of the North Atlantic. Every one of the people that drowned or froze will be resurrected and stand before the great white throne. Even the people that lived and lived to be 75 and 80, 
They will be resurrected and also stand before the throne. Your pastor is assuming that this is implying that wherever people died, they will be resurrected and stand before the throne. This is a place I've never been. We have some of our global partners that have lived here and served here. This is Papua New Guinea. It's one of the furthest, most distant places. Mountainous, hot, rainy, muddy, difficult, multitudes of languages. And as the World War II started off, 1936, 37, 38, uh, do you see Papua New Guinea on the map right above Australia? You see it? The Japanese Empire said strategically, we have to protect all this space we have an ocean we have conquered. And so they said we will pour in troops and they put 600,000 Japanese well-trained soldiers at, in New Guinea. The reasoning was if the allies, England, Great Britain, and Canada come against us to take it back, their base of operations will be Australia, 93 miles away. So we are going to fortify New Guinea. What they didn't take into account, the heat, the jungles, how far away the supply chain would have to reach, And so all these poor young men that had mothers at home, 200,000 of them died in those jungles of starvation, sickness, and maybe a third of them from battle. They will be resurrected, every one of them, and stand before the great white throne. Does anybody know where this is? This is Gatlinburg. This is Mount Everest, the highest peak in all the earth, 29,032 feet above sea level. It is a place that sportsmen try to scale. Uh, I guess it looks good on a resume, sense of accomplishment, and I guess thousands of people try to do it every season. But what a lot of people do not take into account, there are 310 bodies up on Mount Everest. Men and women who, from nations all across the globe who didn't make it. And their bodies are left there because they can't get them off. But these, every one of them, will be resurrected and stand before the throne. Last. The day after Christmas, 2004, Sunday morning, 8 o'clock in the morning, a gigantic earthquake, 9.8. One in in magnitude happened under the water. 
near Sumatra. Can you see Sumatra on the map? Go to Malaysia and turn left. And these tectonic plates were ruptured across 900 miles between India and Australia. And this is what it did. It caused along those plates the sea level to suddenly jump up to 120 feet above where it was, which displaced tons of water suddenly. That's an actual photo. And it produced 100-foot waves in this tsunami that spread across Southeast Asia, mainly India, Thailand, Sri Lanka, tons of large and small islands faced this uh, devastation almost without warning. And to show you how slow or how fast this traveled, the last waves of the tsunami finally hit South Africa Eight hours later, look at that yacht where it was carried. 228,000 people lost their lives, many of them never found. And the point of this is every one of them will be resurrected and stand before the great white throne judgment. Point number six, another mystery. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. Clarification. When a wicked person dies today without God, someone that has spent their entire life rejecting the Holy Spirit, telling the Holy Spirit, no, 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 leave me alone. When they die... They are sentenced to a place Jesus called Hades. Hades is Greek. It means a place the dead. It is a temporary prison. Hades is a place of torment. You can read this where Jesus tells a true account about two men who died. And what this passage tells us Hades will be emptied and done away with. And those people, it'd be like Guantanamo closing or Alcatraz closing. And all those prisoners transported to stand before the great white throne for final sentencing. And the lake of fire, Jesus called it the second death. Why second death? If you're born twice, you die once. Born from your mother, born again by the Holy Spirit, you, when, you're, when your heart stops beating, you die once. If you're only born once of your mother, you will die physically and experience the second death, which is death twice. Now, kind of a definition of death is when the soul and spirit leaves the body. There's a separation. No more brain waves, no more heartbeat. There's a separation. The spirit and the soul leave. 
And so that's what this is talking about, a final separation forever. Now, here's the good news. There are books in heaven, yes, but there's one book that has preeminent preeminence over every book is called the Lamb's Book of Life. Would you say that with me, please? The Lamb's Book of Life. Who does the Lamb's Book of Life belong to? Somebody tell me. To who? Jesus, because he is the Lamb of God. So it's his book. It's not my book. It's not the Father's book. It is the Lamb's Book of Life. And I can open this to people and talk to them and say, I got really good news for you. I almost drowned as a kid, and my father rescued me. If someone was drowning and someone threw this out, is that good news? That's good news. So the book of life is a treasured possession of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because within the book of life are the names of everyone that belongs to him. And Jesus repeated this eight times in the New Testament. Well, then that wonderful, glorious book are the names of everyone that have received Jesus Christ as their Savior. And been forgiven of every sin. Isn't it wonderful to be forgiven of all your stuff? Someone say, yeah, yeah, I'm forgiven. I've been a scoundrel and a wicked man and a rebel and I've been forgiven. Yay, God, yay, Jesus. And not only that, they get adopted into the family of God and the heavenly father is their father. You see, before I was a child of the devil. Now I'm a child of the father because I've been adopted That's a biblical term. I didn't deserve it. He gave me the invitation and here's here's the icing on the cake. There's a wonderful home waiting for everyone that gives their heart to Jesus. Our sister that took her breath last night, she could not believe who and what she was seeing. If a person's name is not found in the book of life, they are cast into the lake of fire forever. That's what the book says. Now, I want to do something a little different. I want to help you here. I have found that these five verses are a great tool to leading people to Jesus. And this is how I use it. You probably can use it better than I use it. But let me tell you how we do this, okay? Let's say I'm on a plane. I got a six-hour flight. I developed a new friend. We've been to lunch a couple of times. They've been in my house. I've been in their house. Eventually, I will attempt to share Jesus with everybody I'm friends with. Eventually, okay? And so let's say I'm with a guy on the plane, and he's reading a book. I say, well, what are you reading? And he tells me, what are you reading? I tell him. And I say, you like books? Oh, yeah, I buy books all the time. have books everywhere. Great. Me too. And and here's my intro. Did you know there's books in heaven? And they always go, what? There's books in heaven. Did you know that? 
Really? You're, t- you're teasing me. No, there's books in heaven. Well, what kind of books? Well, every person on earth has their own book. And I want to tell you, Andy, you have a book in heaven. Really? Absolutely. And then I may lean over to him and whisper, do you know what's in your book? <laughs> Sometimes they say the strangest things. They go, I'm afraid to ask, what's in my book? Well, I'll give you some categories. It's everything you've ever said. And then I hear this stuff like, uh-oh, or I've heard people swear, well, blank. <laughs> At everything you've ever done and everything you've ever thought. And everything you should have done that you never got around to doing is all in the book. He goes, you, you're teasing me, right? No, you want me to show you where it is? I go, give me your phone, pull up this, and then I'll let them read it to me. I go, the scripture says that when a person dies, they stand before God and their book is open. And they're judged from the things written in the book. I go, is is that good news or bad news? I love to watch them stew a little bit. I love to see them wrestle with, that's, that's kind of bad, isn't it? I go, it's really bad. Oh, and they go, oh my, or use another word they shouldn't use. I don't tell them I'm a preacher, you know, say it if you want to, it's okay. But then I go, but I got really good news for you. Let's read on two verses further. Can can we read on? Read on two verses further. There's another book more prominent than all of the rest of our books. Do you know what the name of it is? No. Look right there. It's in that verse. Read it. Tell me what the name of it is. Oh, it's the, the book of life. Yes, the Lamb's book of life. And then you got to remember people in our culture don't know anything about the Bible. Do you know what's in that book? Got no clue. I mean, they're scratching their head, got no clue. There's names in it. Names? Yeah. Names in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's the names of everybody that's given their heart to Jesus, everyone that's been forgiven of every sin, everyone that's going to go to heaven when they die. And pause. Let them think. And you got to remember, we have divine appointments all the time that the people, that the Lord sends us to us because he wants to help us. He wants us to help him. So here's a clincher. Would you like to go to heaven? Do you believe there's an afterlife? Well, my mother and grandmother used to tell me there was. If there is, would you like to go to heaven? Well, I I think I would. And then I go, Is your name in that book? Most of the time they say this. I have no clue. So what would you do then? Would you like to have your name put in that book? Would you like to have all your stuff forgiven? Be adopted as a child of the Lord. And have your name written. A lot of people say, yes, I would. So I want to close. Worship team, would you come out?
Let me tell you the rest of that story with my friend. So I saw him three times at his mobile home, and I got chased three times. (laughs) And then when he went to the hospital, and I knew he wasn't going to ever get out of the hospital, I went three times. He was rude to me, number four. Number five, he wasn't rude so much. I pulled a chair up, sat right beside his bed, and I just said this. There's a real place called heaven. Wouldn't you like to go? There's a God who forgives. Wouldn't you like to be forgiven? And there's a son who died on the cross for all your sins who wants you to come home to him. 30 seconds. I said, would you like to receive Jesus as your savior? And guess what he did? He put his hand out opened wide his fingers and said, yes, I would. I never believed there was a God. And I never believed if he existed, he would care for me. I want that, Steve. (laughs) And he prayed to receive Christ so easy. Some tears ran down his cheeks and they ran down my cheeks. He gave his heart to Christ. I said, I'll I'll be back. I'll be back in a day or so. Two days later, I went back to see him. As I walked in, there was a woman there I didn't know. It was his sister. Introduced myself and she said, Steve, my brother told me about you coming to see him and that he gave his heart to Christ. She said it was just in time because the cancer has gone to his brain now. And he's just laying there. He can't talk. He can't even bat his eyes. But his name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I want to do something as we close. We're going to worship altar be open. I want to do something a little different. There comes a time when you stand, you take a stand for Jesus. There comes a time where you decide to get off the fence. You're all in and you're all in forever. And you want to serve him and make your life count. And there's some of you today here, maybe a lot of you, and there's some of you watching today who you really don't know for sure right now if your name is in the book. And I want to say as your friend, let's get that settled today. Let's get that settled today. Jesus said this, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you before my Father. There's no such thing as a secret Christian. Either you're in or you're out. So I'm going to close this time in prayer before we worship. And if you're not sure if your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life, I want you to stand right now. And I want to lead us in a 
a prayer. And maybe you just want to rededicate your life to the Lord. I do that almost every day. Lord, here I am. I'm your servant. I'm your son. Use me. So if you're not sure or you want to be sure, I want you to stand right now. Stand right now. Stand right now. Go ahead. Stand. Be courageous. Don't be timid. Stand right now. Wonderful. Who else? We had lots of people stand at the first service. Who else will stand? I want to make sure. Thank you. Just stand and keep standing. Anybody else? Stand and keep standing. Anybody else? Stand and keep standing. Anybody else? Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I don't want Jesus to be ashamed of me. So everyone standing. And some of you sitting. Anybody else? One more will stand. One more. Anybody else? Anybody else? And if you're watching online, I want you to stand where you are. Stand right there in your living room. Stand right there in your kitchen. Let's just pray this simple prayer. So pray with me and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for forgiving me of every sin. Wash me clean today. Be my Savior and Lord. I give you my life. Give me a home in heaven. Write my name in your book. Because today I give you my life forever. Use me for your glory. In Jesus' name. Give the Lord in these a round of encouragement. Let's all of us stand as we worship. Let's all stand as we worship. And I want you to know this altar is open. There's people that will pray for you. If you got a burden, let somebody pray with you. You want to get on your face and cry out for someone else. There's a Lord's table right here. And maybe you have the name of a someone that you love that's lost. And you're going to ask the Lord to move on their life and open their heart. Put their name on one of these prayer walls. And let's believe God for a miracle. sing this out together. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is great.
with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God. Hallelujah. It's good news. It's good news. Let's sing
Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Come on, is he worthy? Give him a clap offering. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Before I dismiss us and close us in prayer, I just want to share a story with you. You know, I, I don't know if they use this term in the business world anymore, but there was the term a headhunter. And a headhunter was whenever a business was looking for a, a high-level executive, a CEO or a CFO, they would hire a professional to find the professional, and they were called a headhunter. And there's this guy who said, well, let me tell you how, how I do this, how, how I really find out where people stand, because a lot of times people can put up a pretty good front. He says, I go in their office, and, you know, after I've talked to them for a while, I just I start to make small talk, or we talk about the weather, travel, their kids. He goes, I may even start to tell some jokes. I may even loosen my tie, put my feet up on their coffee table, just real loose, real laid back. He says at that time, he goes, I got their guard down. He says their, their, their defenses are down. And when I've got them in that position, right out of the blue, I just look them right in the eye and I ask them, what's the motivating purpose of your life? He said a lot of times these high executives, they have no idea how to answer. They just, they break down, they have no idea. But he said, he asked this one man, said, I had his guard down, had him right where I wanted him. I looked him in the eye. What's the motivating purpose of your life? He said, without blinking an eye, without hesitating, said the man looked me straight in the eye, said, my motivating purpose is to get to heaven and to take as many people with me as I can. Shouldn't that be the motivating purpose of all of our lives? To get to heaven and to take as many people with us as we can. You have good news to share. Bill Reeser says it all the time. Go out and give them heaven. If they don't like it, tell them how to get there anyway. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we have good news to share. I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, everyone go out and share that good news with someone else this week. Thank you, Lord, that I know that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There will be, there'll be people up here to minister to you if you need prayer. Julie has something else. We've been praying um, and just feel like there might be some of you all with prayer needs, um, specifically if you need healing for your eyes. Um, and we felt like there might be someone here that's struggling with anxiety um, to a really high degree this week. And we'd love to pray over you. And someone maybe who is the Lord is wanting them to know that the thoughts they've been having are not his thoughts. They're your thoughts, but they're not God's thoughts towards you. So if that is for you, just receive that this morning. Our prayer team would love to pray over you. Be blessed and have a great day.